Okay, good morning. We have the uh, privilege this morning of studying Parshas Yisro together. A uh, phenomenal Parsha, as every Parsha in the Torah is. Significant, of course, because the Aseris Adibros, the Decalogue, the giving of the Torah itself. So let's do as we always do, brief overview of the Parsha, and then we'll delve into uh, some specific psukim that I want to look at together. Our Parsha begins somewhat out of order. There's a big question we know, we've spoken about often, about the debate whether the Torah is written chronologically or thematically. Is the Torah written in historical order or is the Torah written in a way to communicate or to convey certain themes? So here is a perfect, perfect example of it. Because the Torah here describes Yisro's arriving and joining the Jewish people. Oh, Shkai, thank you. No problem. Yisro's arriving and joining the Jewish people. And... Um, and... Uh, and it says right afterwards that he gives this advice to Moshe and it's and Rashi says Har Sinai. Moshe coming down from Har Sinai but yet we've not yet encountered Har Sinai so it seems the section at least according to Rashi is written out of chronological order so Yisro comes Vayishma he hears I think I've shared with you before Yisro is the paradigmatic listener he is a phenomenal listener. He teaches us the art, the skill of listening. In particular, he teaches his son-in-law the skill of listening, which is uh, unfortunately a uh, increasingly lost one. So Yisro is a listener. He listens. Everyone else here is what happened to the Jewish people. Ten plagues, splitting of the sea, and uh, the war with Amalek, the defeat of Amalek. Everyone else hears that goes one ear in and one ear and out the other. Yisro hears... And he is moved. He's moved to action. As uh, Rashi quotes, Mashmu Shama Uba. What did Yisro hear? Uba. The key word in that question is not Mashmu Shama. What did he hear? But Mashmu Shama Uba. What did he hear that moved him to action? A lot of people hear a lot of things all the time. To, to listen in a way that translates into action, into a call for action, that's a different side type of. That's a different type of listening. So Yisro hears. I think we discussed last year or two years ago, what does it mean, Melchemes Amalek? The Gemara here is quoting, the uh, Rashi is quoting the Gemara Zvachim. The Gemara Zvachim records a debate. What is it that moved Yisro? Was Yisro moved by hearing about splitting of the sea? Was Yisro hear, moved by hearing about the, uh, the Torah? What was he here? Or one possibility is Amalek. So we asked last year, two years ago, what do you mean, the war with Amalek? Big deal. Throughout human history there have been wars. So big deal, the Jewish people defeated Amalek. So if you notice, the Jewish people did not defeat Amalek. At the end of last week's Parsha, the war, did never, the war never ended. And the Torah records there was no triumph, there was no victory. Jewish people did not defeat Amalek. Which makes the question the more compelling. Why was Yisro so inspired, so moved, so motivated by a war with Amalek when the Jewish people were not even victorious? When we weren't even triumphant. So last year we developed the idea that when the epitome of evil, of wickedness, identifies and targets an enemy, that can sometimes reveal that the enemy is the epitome of good. Right? Today in our time, the fact that America is the great Satan and Israel is the little Satan, from Islamic fundamentalists and from our generation's wicked, evil, Amalek, I think reflects well on America and Israel and their values. If a wicked nation identifies and targets a particular people, one can see that as um, a positive reflection of that targeted people because why would evil target them if they didn't feel threatened by the values, the good values that they represent? So maybe Yisra was moved. Here you have Amalek, notoriously nefarious, wicked, evil people. And who does Amalek feel threatened by and who do they want to eliminate? This fledgling adolescent nation, this new group, the Jews, there must be something special about the Jews for me to go check out. So Yisro, so Yisro comes. Um, what's lost from the conversation is that maybe Yisro came because he's Moshe's father-in-law. In other words, he's not a complete stranger from the Jewish people and the Jewish experience. He's not a complete... It's not something entirely new to him. But that's a, a conversation, a question for another time. So Yisro arrives... We're going to delve into these psukim that he brings uh, Moshe's wife, Tzipporah, and Moshe's two sons, uh, Gershom and Eliezer, and brings them back. Where were they, Rashi's bothered by? What do you mean, Yisro brings them? Where were they? 
So Moshe had begun to bring them back down to Egypt when he was returning from Midian, to which Aaron replied, Do we not have enough people suffering in Egypt that you're bringing us more? What are you, crazy? You're going to bring them into the heart of where you're trying to liberate us from? Leave them, send them back, which Moshe listened to. And so only now Yisro is bringing Moshe's wife Tzipporah and Gershom and Eliezer. We'll go back to these Pesukim. Yisro rejoices, Vayichad Yisro al-Kolatova, Vayichad is Lashon Chedva, Chedva Simcha, joy. Or Rashi quotes, Chadad and he got goosebumps. Chad means sharp. He got goosebumps. He was so excited. He was so overjoyed of all that God did for the Jewish people. That we were saved from Egypt, which is significant as well, we'll see. Out of nowhere, it doesn't take Yisrael long, after all, he is a father-in-law, to give unsolicited advice to his son-in-law. And he tells Moshe, there's no way that you can maintain the schedule, there's no way that you'll be able to take care of all the needs of the Jewish people single-handedly, you're hearing all of their problems, you're adjudicating all their disputes. It's impossible. You need to come up with a hierarchy, you need to delegate, to learn to delegate. And Yisrael suggests a list of requirements of the candidates to whom you should delegate. And what is it? They should be Anshe Chayel, men of valor, Yiri Elokim, God-fearing, Anshe Emes. They should be truthful, have integrity, so in a Batsa, hate bribe, hate money, because you don't want them to be vulnerable, susceptible to bribes, and, uh, and delegate to them. And in fact, what happens? Moshe listens. Moshe listens. Next thing you know, we have the arrival at uh, in the Midbar Sinai. God makes the proposal. They're preparing for the Torah, the days of separation, where they're uh, purifying themselves and elevating themselves in anticipation of receiving the Torah. We have the description of the day of revelation itself, the sounds and the sights, and how incredible it was. We have the giving of the Torah, the Ten Commandments, uh, the Aseret Hadibros, or what the Torah describes as actually the Aseret Hadvarim, and uh, and so on. I've uh, shared before, I think that perhaps the reason, because whenever the Torah is taken out of chronological order, even if you assume it's to be written thematically, you have to ask yourself why. What's the message? What's the lesson? Why not follow the chronological order? If you deviate from the chronological order, it must be to communicate something. So if Yisro in truth arrived after Kabbalah's Torah, after the Jews received the Torah, what was to be learned from cutting and pasting, editing, and placing his arrival before they received the Torah. And I'd like to humbly suggest to you this morning that perhaps what there is to be learned is the concept of listening. Vaishma Yisro, the opening words of our parsha. Yisro is a listener. He has the capacity to not only listen but to hear. He has the capacity to shut down his output and to allow only for input and to register what is happening around him. Perhaps that's the advice he gives Moshe. Moshe, if you're sitting and there's a million people in a line to talk to you, you're not listening to any of them. If you need to give three minutes to each person and you're just trying to solve the problem, boom, 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 move on, there's no way you can be a listener. Listening requires peacefulness, serenity. Listening requires presence. It requires mindfulness. Listening requires not being frazzled and fragmented and divided between a million worries and tasks that you have to do. Moshe, you can't really be listening. And so Yisro successfully communicates to Moshe the importance and the need to listen. And what does Moshe do in turn? If you look, Moshe in turn communicates that to the people. And he tells them, it's in uh, Perak Yutes, chapter 19, verse 5. We're not going to study this, but... Moshe now brings that lesson to the people. If you learn how to listen, whenever we find that language all the time, the second paragraph of Shema, Im Shema what is Im Shema Why the double language? Im Shema, if you listen. So what am I forced to say? No, Im Shema, if you have the real skill of listening, then Tishma'u, then you'll hear the message. Im Shema, but only if you're really listening, Tishma'u, are you going to hear. Listening doesn't just mean I'm quiet while you talk. Mm-hmm. I might be thinking about what I'm going to reply. I might be thinking about why you're wrong. I might be thinking about did I leave the, the uh, stove on. I might be thinking about a million and one other things. I'm not actively listening. That's passive listening. If you're actively listening, then you will hear. Only then will you hear. If you look at the Memchas, the Mishnah in Pirkei Avos has 48 ways that the Torah is received. 48 ways of wisdom. 
So one of the memches, one of the 48 ways the Torah is received is the koach hashmia, the capacity to listen. So perhaps that's why the Torah takes it out of order and places the arrival of Yisrael before Kabbalah Satorah to remind us that if we are to receive the Torah daily, if we are to receive the message of the Torah, then we need to hone our skill of listening. We have to be active listeners. We have to listen to what the Torah is telling us, not superimpose what we believe and what we want to tell to the Torah. We need to listen to the Torah, not ask the Torah to listen to us. So Yisro arrives, why? Because he's a good listener. And what's the first thing he noticed? Moshe's not listening well. So he says to him, Moshe, you need to delegate. You need to offload some of the responsibility so that you can be a good listener. Moshe says, you're right. Then Moshe turns to the people and says, now we're ready for the Torah, but only first. What's the prerequisite? If you become a nation of good listeners. So I would say the theme of Parshish Yisro is the skill of listening. There's a lot more to be said. Uh, we could talk for hours about what is active listening versus passive listening. What are the challenges or obstacles to being a good listener? What are the benefits and results of being a good listener? How and why to be a good listener? But we don't have the time. What I want to do is go into some sukkim. And I gave you a handout today. If you're listening online, the handout should be available at the link where you're listening as well. And I want to go through the Psukim, Perak Yerches, chapter 18, verse 2. Chapter 18, or actually from the beginning of the Parsha. Let's read the Psukim. From the very beginning of the Parsha. Vayishma Yisro Chohein Midyan. It's in the handout I gave you, or you can look in the Chumash itself. Vayishma Yisro Chohein Midyan Chosein Moshe Eis Kol Asher Asar Elohim Moshe Uli Yisrael Amo. Yisro. The priest of Midian, the father-in-law of Moshe, heard all that God did for Moshe Uli Yisrael Amo. Rashi already points out. What do you mean, Moshe Uli Yisrael Amo? Isn't Moshe included in Yisrael Amo? So what does Rashi answer? Shokol Moshe Keneged Ko Yisrael. The fact that the Torah pulls out Moshe from the greater, broader Ko Yisrael Amo teaches Moshe is equal to the entire Jewish people. That's the greatness of Moshe. Torah seeks to communicate in a nuanced way the greatness of Moshe. So Yisro heard all that God did for Moshe and the Jewish people, that God took us out of Egypt. And who did Yisro bring with him? Tzipporah, Moshe's wife, Eishas Moshe, after she was sent away. Now, immediately you could recoil, sent away. That's reminiscent of what's going to happen later. When Moshe withdraws from her because he thinks that he's holy in order to have access to God and to prophecy, he has to separate. And who speaks ill about him because of it? Miriam. If you recall, and Miriam, and that's the whole, she uh, struck with leprosy and outside the camp and so on and so forth. So, but that's not what it means here. As I shared with you earlier, Rashi tells us what it means here, shilocheha, not in an exiling way, but shilocheha in a protective way. Moshe was trying to protect her. He said, you know what, go back to Midian, go back to your father's home where it's safe. I've got business to take care of in Mitzrayim, but it's no place for a nice Jewish girl and her two boys. So now, well, she was Jew. Well, she was as Jewish as Moshe was. There was no, when did we become Jewish? I've shared this with you before also. The whole question of when did we become Jewish? I'll tell you a little secret. People don't like to think of it this way. The Sefer Parshish Jerachim says, Avraham, Yitzchak, and Yaakov were not Jewish. They were Hebrews, they were Ivrim, but they were not Jewish. Well, what does it mean to be Jewish? And how could you suggest that Avraham, Yitzchak, and Yaakov were not Jewish? The answer is, what it means to be Jewish is what's called Kedushas Yisrael. And Kedushas Yisrael, the sanctity of a Jew, is the result of one thing and one thing only. We actually, we discussed this in the people of the book, Two weeks ago, the Kuzari, tonight I'm teaching the people of the book, the Tanya. And the Balatanya and the Kuzari actually have this in common, to the exception of many or almost all others, including the Rambam. They see the Jew as being intrinsically superior to the soul of a non-Jew, the Kuzari and the Tanya. But let's leave that aside for a moment, because that's a difficult and a longer discussion. But we believe that the Jew is not intrinsically, inherently superior in any sense, intellectually, certainly not athletically, or any other. What does it mean? What way is a Jew distinguished or distinct from a non-Jew? 
where does the Kedushas Yisrael, the sanctity of the Jewish soul, emanate from? From one place and one place only. And that is being obligated in mitzvahs. God saying, I'm charging you with this mission. I'm giving you this mandate. I'm obligating you in this lifestyle is what distinguishes us. Nothing intrinsic or inherent, but it's God superimposing the obligation of mitzvahs. This is perhaps how you could understand the concept that every Jew is a portion of the world to come, no matter what. Even if your Maral talks about this, a baby dies a day after they're born, they haven't done anything. By what merit do they have to have a portion of the world to come? What does it mean? Maral says, because just being obligated in mitzvos elevates you. Even before you have fulfilled any one of them, just the obligation itself. You know, at work, if the boss calls you in and distinguishes you and says, I have an important project for you to work on, I want you to head this division. Before you ever did one thing, you've already received this elevated status. So when the boss says, I have 613 things for you, I want you to teach the world, that elevated status is there even before the fulfillment of one thing. That's what it means, says the Maral. God wanted to create a zchus for the Jewish people, so therefore He increased the Torah and the mitzvahs we have. We might argue, what do you mean you increased? That's, that's a good thing for us. Take some mitzvahs away. They're burdensome, they're restrictive, they're constrictive, they're impeding on our lifestyle. Take a few away. What does it mean? How is this a great zchus? So the Ramban, the Ramban, the Maral, they all weigh in. Some suggest, you know how it was a great zchus? There's an art, this is the origin of what, what, when I was younger, they used to have in the inner city, uh, midnight basketball leagues. What were midnight basketball leagues? Basically, if you had people who had a propensity for crime, and you create a midnight basketball league that keeps everybody busy till the sun comes up, then you're going to eliminate crime, you're going to eliminate the temptation for crime. Because you don't have the time to get into trouble, you're enjoying basketball. The midnight basketball league. So the Ramah says, midnight basketball, not the Ramah, the Ramah says, midnight basketball league, that's Torah and mitzvahs for the Jew. You're so busy running around doing mitzvahs, who has time to sin? You've got to make sure your food has a hechsher that it's kosher. You've got to learn the parsha. You've got to do shnai mikra v'yecha targum. You've got to take the lulav. You've got to hear the shofar. You've got to get the Hanukkah. It's time for Pesach. It's almost time for Pur. Who has time to sin? So, l'fichach, here Torah mitzvahs. God wanted to be mezakeh as Yisrael, so He gave us Torah mitzvahs. But the Maral gives a different answer. The Maral says... No, you know what the schus is? The schus of being mar betorah mitzvos is just the mandate, the mission, the obligation, the charge to to fulfill mitzvos elevates you even before you've kept one. How in the world did I get on this? Oh, so Avram Yitzchak and Yaakov. So Avram Yitzchak and Yaakov were they Jewish? Says the Pashas Drachim. So when did the Jewish people? When were they born? When began the concept of a Jew? Only at Harsinai. From Harsinai on, where there was a concept of Kedushas Yisrael. Only from Harsinai on do we have a concept of the sanctity of a Jew, of a soul. Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov are our progenitors. They are our forefathers, our patriarchs and matriarchs. They were Hebrews. They were different. They were distinct. They were to be an Ivri means to live me'ever. They were on the other side of the world in terms of their value system. And they volunteered Torah and mitzvahs. We have a tradition they volunteered, including even Erev Eitchumen. They volunteered Torah and mitzvahs. But they weren't obligated. So says the Pashas Jerachim, Kedushas Yisrael, a Jew begins only Harsinai and An. Avram Yitzchak and Yaakov were not Jewish. So at this time, Moshe Rabbeinu is not Jewish, so to say. Actually, this is exactly what we're going to talk about right now, that there was a mass conversion that took place at Harsinai. That was the transformation to becoming a Jew. So at this time, Moshe is not Jewish, Sipor is not Jew. What is a Jew? What does it mean to be a Jew? Yes? I think I asked that perhaps last year, maybe the year before, and I don't remember if it was an answer. If we're assuming that um, Yitro came um, after Matantara, right. that therefore means that Sipor was not at Harsinai. Oh, you did ask that last year. And I don't remember the answer. I don't remember. Yeah. So, so how, how, do you, how does that... You probably don't remember because I probably didn't give you a good one. Yeah. If Yisra really came after Matan Torah, that suggests that Sipora. She wasn't there. She's not Jewish either. Because she wasn't... It was the time of Matan Torah, but she wasn't there. Well, I, but, so I'll tell you an answer. Because there, there actually is a discussion about this. And there's a discussion about how it haunted Gershom and Eliezer. A fascinating topic... 
to research, which I haven't done yet, but and to give another time is to trace, to, to study Gershom and Eliezer as personalities. I mean, you talk about the ultimate children of rabbis. They are the ultimate rabbi's children, right? And, and if you look, it's actually very sad. There's a, there's a beautiful, I think it's a Meshachachma about Aaron not wanting to go into leadership because he sees what happens to Moshe's children. And the Meshachachma says it doesn't have to happen because Moshe's children are no names. Moshe's children become anonymous on the landscape of Jewish history. And you think about, and we've had this a number of times, Eli's sons versus Shmuel. You see this, you see this a number of times. So it's, it's a worthwhile study. Who were Gershom and Eliezer? Whatever happened to them? Were they haunted maybe by not being at Harsinai? But the question doesn't bother me for the following reason. You didn't have to be at Harsinai geographically in order to become obligated in Torah and mitzvahs. If you were alive when, as, as of when Torah was mandated, then you become part of Kedushos Yisrael. Because I'll tell you a little secret. You and I weren't there either. Now, yes, the Medrash says our souls were there, every soul. Right, I understand. Saw you at Sinai. I got you. We're all, we were all there. And uh, there's actually a Zohar. The Zohar says explicitly that every convert that was destined to convert, their soul was present at Harsinai too. It's a beautiful Zohar, particularly, I think, for converts. Um, so, but we weren't, I mean, I don't personally have memories of being there. But, but anyone who lives subsequent to Harsinai becomes obligated in Kedushas Yisrael. So coming back to our, because I want to get through this Pesukim. So Yisrael arrives with Tzipora and with the two sons. Continuing, Gimel. Veshnei Boneha and her two sons. It's an interesting way of describing it. Her two sons. Asher Sheim Ha'echad Gershom Ki Amar Ger Ha'isi Be'eretz Nochria Veshem Ha'echad Eliezer Ki Elokei Avi Be'ezri Ve'atilinu Mecherav Pa'o Gershom is named such. Why? Gershom comes from I was a Ger. I was a stranger in a strange land. And the other's name is Eliezer, meaning what? Be'ezri, the God of my father, came to my aid and he saved me from the sword of Paro. Now, the God of my father. Oh, Eliezer, you're saying? Right. Why, Kael? Like Kael is God's name. Eli, God's God. Oh, but my God, you're saying, that's not God of my father. Yeah, okay, so you have to get a little creative. Eliezer, So I have two questions here, and that's what we're going to study for our time this morning. Number one, hinted to by my underline. Ki Amar. These two are named Gershom. Ki Amar. For he said. Who said? Who's the Ki Amar? It's an ambiguous pronoun. Who's the Ki Amar? Is it, well, what are the choices that we have here? Is it Moshe, when he originally named them? Is it Yisro, Ki Amar? Yisro is coming with these two boys. Ki Amar, they're named this. Why? Ki Amar, because Yisro said this is why. Maybe it's Gershom and Eliezer themselves. Maybe it's Gershom. Who says this Ki Amar? And moreover, look at source number two. We already know about these two individuals. When Moshe, in Perak Beis, chapter 2 of Exodus, when Moshe meets Zipporah, by the way, where did he meet her? Where else? Where Jews meet each other, at the well, which we also talked about at length. He meets Zipporah, the, 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 Zipporah, the daughter of Yisrael. She gives birth. So we already know his name. And the etymology of his name. Why is the Torah repeating itself? Why are we given the etymology of their names again here? And who is Ki Amar? For he said, who is the Ki Amar? So, that, that's, those, those are the two questions that I want to analyze. But Eliezer was not mentioned the name before. True, mm-hmm. true. But Gershom we already know. But Gershom we already know. So source number three. Rashi tells us on the opening uh, Pasuk, Yisro, who is Yisro? Shiva Shemas Nikru'ulo. Yisro had seven names. Ru'ul, Yeser, Yisro, Chovav, Chever, Keni, and Putiel. Yeser, Hashem, Shiter, Parsha, Achas, Batera. The name Yisro comes from Yeser, which means extra. He caused an, another Parsha to be written in the Torah, namely the Parsha of Yisro. Viata Techezeh, Yisro, Lachishnes Geir, became a mitzvos, Hosifolo, Os, Achas, Ashmo. So when did he go from Yeser to Yisro? When he converted to Judaism and he fulfilled the commandments they added a letter to the to his name Yeser 
And it became from Yeser to Yisro. Chovav Shechivei Vesatora. He's called Chovav, which means like um, uh, uh, affection. He has an affection, a love for the Torah. Chovav Hu Yisro. Shnemar Mibnei Chovav Chosein Moshe. V'yishom Reuel Aviv Shol Yisro. Some say Reuel was not an alternative name for Yisro himself, but was Yisro's father's name. Okay, but in any case, what do you see from here? Yisro converts. Yisro converts. So maybe, maybe these names are given here, Gershom and Eliezer, as a function of Yisro's application to convert. Maybe it's part of Yisro's application to convert. By the way, is it a coincidence that Yisro has seven names? And look at source number four. V'shiva Shemos Haim. Who else has seven names? Hashem. 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 So who else had seven names? Has seven names? The Almighty Himself. This is in Hilchos Yisodei Torah where the Rambam is describing the prohibition of erasing God's name. Which of God's names are we prohibited to erase? The answer is He has seven names. These are the seven core names of Hashem. So the Medrash in fact says... In Vayikra Rabbah, I'm sorry, the, uh, the Medrash says that, Moshe, that Yisro came and had seven names because he accepted God who had seven names. It was a function of Yisro's conversion. Yisro's conversion, Yisro had seven names because he accepted God who had seven names. Okay, so maybe this naming, why are we revisiting the naming of Gershom and Eliezer, because maybe here we're hung up with names. Yisro has seven names, God has seven names, the conversion is an acceptance of God's seven names, maybe it's somehow connected to names. So let's see, who is the one, the key Amar, in our Pasuk? So, I'm going to suggest to you today, three suggestions. Who is the speaker? The first suggestion is Moshe, second suggestion is Yisro, and the third suggestion, maybe most interesting, is Gershom himself. So let's see the first suggestion of Moshe. Says the Ramban, Nachmanides. The speaker is of course Moshe. Because after all, Moshe is the one who named him thus earlier. Says the Ramban, Even though this is not the appropriate place to mention their having been born, it's not relevant. Nevertheless, Yefar Hashem Habanim, the names are given. Because Eliezer's name and the etymology of his name was not mentioned earlier. True, we're repeating Gershom, but as someone here pointed out, Eliezer is new. The Tam Ki Amar, and what about the words Ki Amar in our Pasuk? For he said, explains the Ramban. Nimshach Lamoshe Hanizkar Bapasakarishon. Who is the Ki Amar? For he said, who's the he? It goes back to Moshe, who's in the opening Pasak. So it says, Vayishma Yisra Choin Midyan Chosein Moshe. The father in law of Moshe heard everything God did, Lim Moshe, for Moshe. Then it talks about Yisra came and he brought Sipor and he brought the two sons. And the name Gershom, Ki Amar, for he, who's the he? The he is Moshe, says the Ramban. So the Ki Amar for the Ramban is Moshe. After all, he was named earlier. Good. Says the Meshachachma, why did Moshe name his son Gershom? Why did he name him Gershom? Says the Meshachachma, Rabmeir Simcha of Dvinsk, source number six. Moshe, this is Moshe. This is describing the greatness of Moshe, who was so tied, so connected with the love of his people. Here he is. He doesn't really know them. I think we shared this two weeks ago. Why Aaron had to give the message to the people? Because Moshe really is a foreigner to them. And Moshe gives the message to Paro, because Aaron's a foreigner. 
Moshe was more comfortable in the palace, the, and Aaron's more comfortable with the people. So here the Meshech Chochmah says, Moshe's got a problem, because Moshe really is not one of them. He's not part of Amcha. He grew up in the luxury of the palace. And then when he graduated the palace, he fled to Midian. While the people are suffering, making bricks and building back-breaking labor. So says the Meshechachma, Moshe felt a stranger in a foreign country, separated from the Jewish people and its suffering. He was so connected to his people that even though he's in Midian, naming his son Gershom, he says, I am a stranger in a foreign land. The name Gershom itself um, has within it the concept of Moshe feeling alone, feeling separated from the Jewish people and from its suffering. Only later when he calls his second son Eliezer, he's thanking Hashem for his own miracles, for escaping. Why? Because only after the first son, Gershom, where he says, I'm a Ger, this is not my land, my people are in Egypt, I belong with them. Only the second son, says the Meshach can he name Eliezer that God saved me. He can't think about himself and his personal journey until he sees himself as part of a collective whole, as part of the national Jewish destiny. So both names indicate, according to the Meshachachma, both names indicate identification with the Jewish people. Jewishness entails suffering with the community. Jewishness by definition entails not being apart and distinct, but seeing oneself as part of a community, sharing their destiny for good and for bad. What's an example of sharing that destiny for good and for bad? See the Gemara in Yavama, source 7. It says the Gemara Yavama, source... Uh, um, I'm sorry. And again, what I'm trying to share with you today is that all of this becomes the paradigm for conversion. Moshe bringing Yisrael. Moshe's experienced the stranger in the foreign land. The, the Jew, Moshe himself is a con. The Jewish people at this moment are going to convert. All of this becomes the paradigm. Says the Gemara Yevamos, Ger is A prospective candidate comes to convert today. Omrim lo we say, Are you out of your mind? You could go to the beach on Saturdays. You could eat cheeseburgers. You could relax. There aren't people who want to see you dead. Don't you know the Jewish people are afflicted, oppressed, downtrodden, harassed, oppressed, persecuted, annihilated, exterminated, hardships frequently visited upon them. What's the matter with you? Don't you know there are rockets raining down on Jews in Israel? They want buses to explode. The Jew in France is killed with his son, with his children. In Jew in India and in Mumbai, what's the matter with you? Why would you want to link yourself with this people? If they say, I know, I know, I understand the suffering and I'm not even worthy. We accept them. And then we expose them to some of mitzvos and so on and so forth. So I have to tell you, this is codified in Shulchan Aruch. Shulchan Aruch quotes, uh, quotes this. And indeed, it's exactly what we do. We have a Beisden here in South Florida, the South Florida Beisden for Geras. I happen to be the Menahel of the Beisden. Uh, and um, we uh, meet monthly and we supervise uh, many conversions a year. And uh, every convert, part of the conversation in the initial take, intake is, are you out of your mind? Why would you want to join this people? You know, you want to find God? You could be love God and not be Jewish. You could lead a meaningful, virtuous life and not be Jewish. Why be Jewish? And it's detective work to explore and to understand, to find out why the person wants to be Jewish. But then we ask this question, don't you know the suffering it entails? Are you familiar with the Crusades and the Inquisition and the Holocaust? Are you familiar with terrorist events in Israel today? And one of the questions we ask when the candidate's in the mikvah, standing in the mikvah about to immerse, and in a very modest fashion, we ask a number of questions, and one of them is, don't you know what we go through? Why? Are you crazy? So, understand that that's what's happening here. Part of what it means to be a Jew is to identify with the Jewish people. You can't say, I want to be a Jew, but I'm going to go live on some deserted island. And what happens to you in your destiny is, good, I'm just going to be a Jew. I'll go live off on a deserted island. I'll keep all Torah and mitzvahs perfectly. I'll dive in with incredible kavana. I'll do everything. I just don't have to link myself as part of the Jewish people. You know what the Rambam says about such a person? 
Ein lo chelak liolam haba. Haporish menatzibur, somebody who sees themselves apart from the community, has no portion in the world to come. Ah, but they're keeping Torah and mitzvahs perfectly. It doesn't matter. Because the super value, the meta value of what it means to be a Jew is to be connected with the Jewish people. So Moshe names his two sons, Gershom, I'm a Ger Be'eretz Nachriah, I'm a stranger here in Midian, I belong in Egypt with my people. And only then Eliezer thanking God. So according to the Ramban, Moshe is talking, and perhaps the Torah puts it before as part of Yisro's conversion process. Why are we recalling the name Gershom and Eliezer? Because Yisro is coming right now, and Yisro is joining the Jewish people right now. And it's a reminder for Yisro, for us, that part of the process of joining the Jewish people is this duality, the Gershom Eliezer duality, what those two names represent, and what it means to be part of the Jewish people. That's suggestion number one. Okay? Again, what the word, Ki Amar, for he said, Ger Ha'isi, I was a stranger in a foreign land. Suggestion number two. Targum Yonason ben Azil. Says the Targum Yonason, source number eight. Oma Lamosha, Ona Chamuch Yisro, I, your father in law Yisro, Ose, I came Levasach Leizgaira. Says the Targum Yonason, what does it mean? I came Leizgaira to? To convert. To convert. So he says, look later, the Pasuk says Yisro's agenda was to convert. Perhaps he is the speaker of the words, I was a stranger in a foreign land. Right? Ki Amar. So what he's saying is, I've brought your two sons, Asher Shema Achad Gershom. Ki Amar, and Yisro throws in, Ger Aisi Beretz Nachria. I was a stranger in a foreign land. Mm-hmm. How could he say? In res- what? He's coming from Midian. I understand, but he's coming to convert. And that's what he means. I'm converting. I want my destiny is wrapped up with yours. In response, Moshe told him the troubles that the Jewish people have found. Right? That's what if you continue, if you go back to the Psukim, go back to if you go back, Moshe says, each one asks how they're doing. And it continues, Vaisapir Moshe Lechosnao Pasaches. Moshe tells his father in law, Iskolash Asa Hashem Leparo, Lemitraim, Alodos Yisrael, Eskola Tlaash, Mitzasam Baderach, Vayatzilem Hashem. What is Moshe? Yisro comes and he says, Ki Amar Geraisi, I was a stranger, I want to convert. What does Moshe tell him? You know what we went through? Now, how hard it was in Egypt. You know what it means to be a Jew? Again, exactly following the model consistent with the halacha of what we have to tell the ger. The Gemara in Sanhedrin teaches that when it says, Vayichad Yisro, look, look at uh, source 10. Vayichad Yisro. Yisro here is everything that God did after hearing Moshe's response. Vayichad. So, Vayichad, our translation is Milashon Chedva. Joy, happiness, fulfillment, meaning. Or alternatively, Chad means sharp. He got goosebumps. But says the Gemara in Sanhedrin, a third interpretation. Rav Omar Shehev Yercherev Chada al Besaro. Chad, sharp, means he passed a sharp instrument over his flesh, namely a brismila. Shmuel says he got goosebumps. Or Chad means Chedva, Vayichad, he, he was overjoyed. But Rav says he gave himself a brasmila. He converted. Yisro converts. And what does he do next? After he converts, Yisro offers karbonos. Says Rabbeinu Bachya, source 11. Im chosein Moshe lefnei Elohim, lefnei mishkan Elohim. Hu amada anad v'amada eish hashem mishkan Elohim. Hu se'u dozu asu l'chavad Yisro shenez gaira b'milo t'fila b'mayim. Kedin ha'ger abal achsos tachas kanfei ha'shechina. There is a halacha that a convert has to bring a, a sacrifice, a korban. There's a korban of the ger. One, that's another question we ask when the candidate is standing in the mikvah. Do you know that when the Beis HaMikdash will be rebuilt, you'll have to bring a korban? Are you okay with that? So here Rabbi Nebachi says, the end of our section before Matan Torah in the Parsha, Yisro, uh, Moshe brings a korban. Why do we have this korban in Mizbeach? Where is this coming from? Out of nowhere. Says Rabbi Nebachi, I'll explain to you where it's coming from. It's the korban Ager. This is the korban corresponding with the fact that Yisro has converted. Again, 
כדי שתאכל השמחה בנפש האוכל ותשרה עליו רוח הקודש. We celebrate spiritual accomplishment with physical indulgence. Which is again a topic for another time, but we have the concept of when we make a siyam, we do it over a meal. Gemara says particularly with Shavuos. One of the Amoraim, Rav Yosef, says, uh, When I study Torah, when I celebrate Kabbalah's Torah on Shavuos, I get a third-born calf and make a festive meal with delicacies. What's the correlation between food and spiritual accomplishment? So here Rabbi Nebachi says, When you satisfy the body, then the soul can be open to experiencing its joy. Which actually is a theme in Tanya. We'll talk about it a little bit tonight also. The, a little bit in the, in the uh, Tanya that they're not in conflict. You can satisfy the physical and that in itself can work to benefit and to promote the, the spiritual. But so, Rabbi, yes? After all of that, he too leaves them and goes back to his land. We don't know if he does or doesn't. It's left ambiguous. The Pasuk Moshe invites him to remain with them. Yes. The Torah never tells us whether he goes or does not go. Now we learn all the halachas of conversion we actually learn converts. Yisro here is the archetypal. He's the, the paradigmatic convert. And if you look at the process Yisro goes through, it parallels exactly the process of Matan Torah itself. It parallels the process of Matan Torah itself. Look at the Zohar, source 12. Ba Yisro, Kumar Elyon Vigadol. Yisro comes a priest. Sar Could you imagine? He had experimented with every other religion. He had experimented with every other religion in the world. And now he comes, So the Zohar's tradition is, it's when Yisro abandons every other um, religion with which he had experimented and embraces Jewish Judaism as the authentic one, now God's ready to share His Torah. If you look in the left-hand column, it says, All of converts follow the path that is set forth by Yitro. So converts today are following in Yitro's footsteps. What are the parallels? So here, this is, this is magnificent. And if you try to hold the uh, pages next to one another to be able to follow this be- best, you'll see I provided letters to correspond with the psukim of Matan Torah later and when Yisro comes. The first half of the parsha versus the second half of the parsha. So for example, look at, look at um, source 14. God says to Moshe, I'm coming to you in the thickness of a cloud so that you'll hear me. What happens with Moshe? The concept of Bo'elecha. Source 15, B. Moshe and the people go out to, to greet God. Look at B. Moshe goes out to greet Yisrael. C. Where did C go? Source 17. Moshe goes into the cloud, climbs the mountain. And look at Yisrael. The same concept of Vayavo. D. Vayavo Moshe Vayisaper Laam is called Devrei Hashem, is called Mishpatim. So what do you have? Vayisaper Moshe Lechosno is called Asher Asa Hashem Leparo. E. Vayishlach is Narei Bnei Yisrael Vayulu Olos. Vayikach Yisrael Chosin Moshe Ola Uzochim Lelokim. So you see, A, B, C, D, E, five parallels with the same verbiage. The same words are used to describe Yisrael's experience when he arrives at the Jewish people and the Jewish people's experience when they are going to convert. So you see, Yisrael becomes the paradigmatic example of a convert. The people, the Jewish people themselves, follow Yisrael's footsteps. When the Jewish people undergo the conversion uh, at, at Har Sinai. So according to Targum Yonasan then, Moshe took on Yisro. Looks at, I'm sorry, Moshe looks at Yisro through the clouds, just as Moshe came into the cloud to receive the Torah. And with that understanding, Yisro is the one who said the words, uh, describing himself as a stranger in a foreign land, aided by the Lord of my father. Who is the Lord of my father that Yisro is, that Yisro is acknowledging? So the Rambam writes, 
that everyone is the son of Avraham. Avraham stands for Av Hamon Goyim. So perhaps the key Amar, for he said, both for Gershom and Eliezer, is Yisro himself. The reason these names are repeated is because Yisro is identifying with the names Gershom and Eliezer. Yisro is coming to convert, and he says, I've brought your son Gershom, Ki Amar, for I said, I felt like a foreigner, a stranger in a foreign land, and the other is Eliezer, because the God of my father has helped me. Who's the God of my father? Yisro is now identifying with Avraham Avinu. Because Avram is the Av Hamon Goyim, even the convert, the Ger, identifies with Avram as a patriarch. That is suggestion number two. Suggestion number three, the final suggestion, is that Gershom and Eliezer speak for themselves. Their names are not Yisro's resolution, but his question. See, Yisro and the kids are coming to the desert from Midian. Midian is very close to Sinai. Right? So what happens here? Source 18. What's the opening of the Aseris Adibros? How does God introduce Himself to us at Har Sinai? How does God introduce Himself? How does He identify Himself? I am the Lord your God, not who created the world. I'm the Lord your God who took you out of Egypt. And perhaps, perhaps, What's going on here is a question. Is it really possible to go directly to Matan Torah without first leaving Mitzrayim? Is the Exodus a prerequisite for receiving the Torah? Could you really receive the Torah? Could you really connect with and be part of the experience of receiving the Torah when you skipped, when you were on the sidelines, when you were a spectator to Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim? Sarah, this connects to your question. Tzipora, Gershom, and Eliezer are spectators to the Exodus. And they only either arrive at the scene for Matan Torah, maybe even come after Matan Torah. And the question is, how do they feel connected to the Jewish destiny when they weren't part of where we came from? How do you experience where you're going if you're not part and you're not connected to where you come from? The uh, Ibn Ezra, the final source here, I shared this Ibn Ezra with you, for those who are the people of the book, the talk on the Kuzari, Rabbi Yudah Levi. Rabbi Yudah Levi and the Ibn Ezra had a very close relationship. There's big question, was the Ibn Ezra married to Rabbi Yudah Levi's daughter? Or were they first cousins? Maybe both. But they were certainly some element of Chavrusas. And how do you know that? Because the Ibn Ezra often quotes Rabbi Yudah Levi. Here's an example in our parsha: Sha'alani Rabbi Yudah Levi minuchaso kavod. And you also know that Rabbi Yudah Levi, the Kuzari, died before the Ibn Ezra, we discussed at length, how did he die? For many years there's the legend that the Kuzari finally made his way to Israel and when he knelt on the ground to kiss the ground, he was trampled by an Arab horseman who killed him. And then we questioned, is that accurate, not accurate? Did he actually live in Israel? Not that class. We, we talked at length about the real way the Rabbi Hudalevi, the Kuzari, died. But here the Kuzari, the Rabbi Hudalevi had passed away before the Ibn Ezra. And we know that because the Ibn Ezra references Menucha So Kavod. And he quotes that Rabbi Yudalevi, the Kuzari, asked him a question. And the question is, why did God introduce himself as the God of the Exodus and not the God of creation? It's much more impressive to create ex nihilo, something from nothing. Why didn't God introduce himself as the God of creation? Why does he introduce himself as the God of the Exodus? And he says, the, Ibn, the Kuzari has his answer, the Ibn Ezra, and the Kuzari gives his answer, in Kuzari, in Sefer Kuzari. And the Ibn Ezra has his answer. Ibn Ezra says, I am the Lord your God who, took you out, who created the world. That's for philosophers. But I am the Lord your God who took you out of Egypt. That's for you. In other words, God's saying to this people at Harsinai, lest you think that I created a world and moved on. Lest you think that I'm, you know, theologically, philosophically, that I am uh, ephemeral, I'm, I'm, so, I'm so distant and distinct and apart, I have no relationship with you. Lest you think that, no, I'm your father, I love you. I took you out of Egypt. But how does, that leave the, how does that leave the person who didn't go through Egypt feeling? If the way we know that God loves us is He took us out of Egypt, what happens for the person who didn't come out of Egypt because they weren't in Egypt? So, perhaps that's what Yisro is feeling as every convert who doesn't share the Jewish people's past, but wants to share in her future. Maybe that's what Yisra is feeling. 
Maybe that's what Gershom and Eliezer are feeling. If you look, Nechama Leibovitz points out in our Parsha, Yisro mentions Hashem's name five times saving Israel. No less than five times Yisro says, Hashem asher hitzilas Yisrael. Five times he references Hashem saving Israel. Um, in his conversion, God appears five times also. Right? Look at Pasuk Aleph. Asher asher elokim lemoshe ki otsei Hashem es Yisrael. And then in Pasuk Dalet and Hey. I'm sorry. The 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 God appeared. The land of God appears five times. So after Gershon was birthed, the Torah makes five references to how um, God remembers suffering. How he remembers suffering. Five mentions of work at the beginning of Paro's subjugation, and five and five afterwards. So the last suggestion is that maybe it's Gershom and Eliezer who are coming now to Harsinai, and they're saying, what's our name? Ki Amar. For Gershom said, Ger Ha'isi Be'eretz Nachriya. So that it's not Moshe saying it, referencing back to when the names were first given. And it's not Yisra saying it, part of his collective experience. But maybe it's Gershom and Eliezer who are trying to fit in, who themselves feel apart from the experience the Jews had in Egypt, and now in anticipation, in feeling connected to and linked with what they're about to feel at Har Sinai, they revisit Ki Amar, Gershom is saying, Ger Ha'isi, I felt like a stranger to this whole experience. And But Eliezer's name is Elokei Aviva Ezri, no, because through my father I'm connected to this national destiny and I connect with everyone else. So what we saw are three interpretations of what Ki Amar means. Um, but in any case, Yisra becomes the paradigm, the model of uh, conversion, the importance of seeing oneself as part of the collective Jewish people, whether one's a convert or born a Jew, but the necessity and the need to never be porish minatzibor, to not separate from the community, but to see oneself as part of the community.